What would your life look like if you felt confident in your body and in your health habits? We believe that confidence is possible for all people. This is the Free Method Podcast, and I'm your host, Dylan Murphy, registered dietitian and owner of Free Method Nutrition. We are dedicated to empowering women to make peace with food, heal their relationship with their body, and create sustainable health habits. Come hang with us each week as we have conversations that will inspire you to live a life of freedom. Let's dive into today's show. Megan, welcome to Free Method Podcast. I am so excited to have you here. I was mentioning before I hit record, I have a 14-month-old. Our listeners know that. But I, yeah, I'm selfishly excited to just learn from you. Um, And I know our listeners will love this show too. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. Yeah. So to start, I think it'd be fun just to hear a little more about you and kind of how you got into this field and even just like working or specializing in like feeding little specifically. Sure. Um, it happened by accident, which I think most good things <laughs> yes. do, right? Yes. Um, so I'm a dietitian. I went to school for nutrition at the University of Arizona and mm-hmm. I did my dietetic internship in LA, but before that, I actually got my master's as well in public health nutrition. And so it's funny looking back now, it was perfectly aligned for what I do, but you don't always notice that in the moment. And I know a lot of your audience is full of, um, not all of your audience, but a lot of your audience is Mm -hmm. still in college, still in school. And I just, I say this because sometimes I feel like it seems like you don't know what you're doing or why you're in the place you're in, Mm -hmm. but it's amazing what you can learn along the way. And you'll know one day why it makes sense for you to do what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. You just might not understand it yet. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of thought I would work in, I wanted to work in maternal child health. I worked for the WIC program mm-hmm. um, at the state level and did a, all training and like adult learning, which is again, mm-hmm. perfect for what I do now. So, totally. um, but at the time I was like, I need out of this. I feel like I'm not my passion. And I um, worked for a, a medical device startup. I got kind of got recruited away for that. And I, was stuck in the basement at Johns Hopkins running clinical mm-hmm. trials in, for months on end. And that also was not what I wanted to do, but it taught me mm-hmm. that, okay, well, you have no idea what you're doing here and you have to figure it out. And how can you just make it work and mm-hmm. how can you get something, get through something that's super hard. And I threw a lot of tears and a lot of, yeah. not loving it. I kept going. And then when I was nine months pregnant, I got laid off mm-hmm. tiny startup and we ran Gosh. out of money. And that was brutal because my hmm. entire life view, worldview about that was I'm staying here because this device that we're creating is going to make a huge impact. And this is my one chance to make a huge wow. impact. Mm. And that was my, like my whole life for years. I thought, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, we're going to finally do something. I'm going to do something big here. Yeah. And I had no idea that getting fired from that was actually starting what I would eventually do. Mm. And so yeah. I think just so painful in the moment, right? It's so hard to mm-hmm. see that. But anyway, um, I started working. I had my baby. I got in a car accident on my due date. So I, I mean, it, it was oh a hot gosh. mess. Like the yeah. universe was pushing me to a certain direction. Yeah. It allowed me to stay home because when you mm. get in a car accident when you're pregnant and it causes all these issues, you they, mm-hmm. the insurance company gets freaked out. So they just oh, sure. Out. <laughs> so I was able to, to stay home for a little bit and not have to mm. find another job. And I started teaching 
um, maternal, like prenatal nutrition classes at a local birth center. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, you should probably teach a class, this thing called baby led weaning. It's really popular <laughs> in Europe. This was 10 uh-huh. years ago, by the way. Wow. And I, I was like, well, that's interesting. I don't really, I, I've never heard of that before. So I started doing research on it. I started looking into it and there wasn't a ton of science on it just yet. But I even mm-hmm. talked to the person that wrote the book, Jill Rapley, wow. like all these conversations back and forth. Uh-huh. I started teaching it in the, the United States kind of in a way that I felt good teaching it. And mm-hmm. then all of my clients started growing up and they became toddlers and mm, everyone, was like, yeah. well, what do we do now? What do we do with the mm. toddler? And I was like, I don't know. And at yes. the same time, <laughs> I mean, I know what to feed them. I don't know how to actually encourage them to eat it at the same yeah. time. A friend of mine, um, connected me with Judy. And so if you follow mm. her account, Judy is, um, yeah. the woman does all the toddler reenactments. She is an occupational therapist and feeding therapist. I didn't even know what that was at the time. And I know a lot yeah. of you if you're following different accounts, these might be words that you hear a lot now. And it seems uh-huh. normal. feeding therapy and stuff might seem normalized back then. I had never even heard of it. So mm. um, I met her because she treated my friend's son before he passed away. It was kind of, you know, we were destined to meet and we started releasing online courses and started mm. building our audience on Instagram. And uh, my whole goal this entire time, I didn't realize I had, I, I was also a trained intuitive eating therapist or counselor, mm, yeah. eating counselor. I trained under Elise and Evelyn, like the wow. goddess. Yeah. And, um, when I was in LA and that was like, you know, wow. a perfect that I happened to be going to grad school there and I got to meet yeah. them. And so I didn't realize what we were doing and what we were building was really teaching mm-hmm. parents how to be intuitive eater, how to raise yes. intuitive Mm-hmm. I didn't get that. I just was at the beginning was thinking, well, you know, if you want your kid to be an adventurous eater, these, these are ways that you can set them up for success. And mm-hmm. when toddlers, if they're picky, these are things you can do with them, but really what it's turned into. And now it makes so much sense now that mm-hmm. I see the whole thing is how can we help parents keep their kids out of diet culture? How can we help yeah. them love all different types of food? Obviously we're still working on picky eating and, and the challenges that come with feeding kids. And we want them to know how to listen to their bodies and feel yeah. good in their own skin and know how to feed themselves in a way that, you know, nourishes their, their bodies and hearts and minds mm-hmm. and is, is independent of the crap so much of us grew up with. And so ironically, in doing all of this, there's been so much healing, I think, for a lot of my clients, our clients, yeah. they, they're working on it for their kids and they end up working mm-hmm. on it for themselves. Yes. That is a long uh, answer. No, I love hearing all of that. And something that just like keeps popping in my mind with everything you're saying, because I feel like I, so a lot of the clients we see in our practice are like college age and beyond. We see some like high school and middle schoolers, but mostly like college and beyond. And so I'm thinking about like this, like generational change you're helping to start in families, because from what I hear over and over and over again is like, oh, my mom, when I was eight, put me on Weight Watchers or my parents told me I couldn't have these foods and this was off limits and all this sort of stuff. And so it's cool that y'all are like kind of impacting or not kind of, you are impacting like the child and the parent where it's like, hopefully the parent is, you know, unlearning, relearning, like understanding what it means to be an intuitive eater. And they're able to teach their kid that, which is going to impact them for so many years to come. Right. Which is so cool. That's the most gratifying. And mm-hmm. a lot of our audience will even say, I'll sometimes get messages that say, you know, I, I wasn't ready for what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And I actually followed you and I didn't want to see any of it. Yeah. And then I just, you know, I was struggling with my kid, but I was also so much struggling with myself and I came back to it. 
Mm-hmm. And because we said we weave it in subtly because we know that for a lot of people, mm-hmm. this is very different totally. to hearing. And we want them to kind of, we want them to kind of digest it at a pace that works for them. But it's kind of amazing to see, to meet when we've actually been able to meet people in person. Mm-hmm. It's so cool to see their stories and see how they've gone through so much trauma about their bodies and, and mm. now working through that with their own kids. It's like healing. Yeah. It's healing to do it differently for your child. Mm. Yes. Really, Yes. And I'm curious, like, I guess I haven't gotten to this stage yet. Well, kind of because we're feeding him solid food, obviously, but, um, I'm curious what like pediatricians or just doctors in general may think, because I know like for me dealing with like, like internal medicine doctors, there's so much like fat phobia often or like weight stigma or like, Oh, you need to probably cut out carbs or this or that. And so I'm sure that's like so present with pediatricians too. And so when it comes to things like oh, well, don't feed them sugar yet. Or like, be careful about carbs. Like, I feel like pediatricians are probably like, what are these people talking about? You know, I think it's a real mixed bag. And we have a lot Mm -hmm. of lovely um, pediatricians that follow us. Mm -hmm. um, And, you know, a lot of them are kind of working on the other end. They're working with kids that aren't eating enough and aren't growing. Um, What's so cool is that the science of feeding therapy and what we're Mm -hmm. finding out with responsive feeding and helping even the sickest and the most Mm -hmm. vulnerable kids aligns with intuitive eating. Mm, (laughs) Literally, we can't force a child to eat. Mm -hmm. And when we do, we start to mess so significantly with their their innate cues. Yeah. And um, we have to get to the root cause of maybe Mm -hmm. why they're not eating. But it's amazing when we give them autonomy and space. Mm-hmm. how much more successful they can be. And there's oftentimes a reason why they're not eating those certain things. Mm. I'll give you guys an example. Cause I know that you want to hear about like specific tips Yeah, all the time. If you think about a fruit or vegetable, obviously we know they're nutrient rich, right? Obviously we want our kids to eat them and enjoy them. However, consider the blueberry, our friend. Blueberry. I don't know if you've had any blueberries recently. A lot of them are like those big jumbo blueberries, yes. right? Now, but they're sour. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you eat them and they're kind of mushy and gross, mm-hmm. or sometimes they're perfect and very sweet. Mm-hmm. But from a child that doesn't really understand the world yet, yeah. last time I ate a blueberry, it was gross. I'm not touching mm. it. I don't, re- I don't know how to pick one that, that tastes good. I don't know how yeah. to expect here. Fruits and vegetables are unpredictable and we serve them mm-hmm. to our kids with spices, with, you know, yeah. in different shapes and different cooking methods. Sometimes they're raw and it's a little overwhelming from their perspective because it's not predictable. What is always predictable? A cracker. Yeah. <laughs> a bagel. All the carbs. All the carbs. And, mm-hmm. and carbs are essential for growth for children. They have to get them from some source, right? And mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they don't get them all from grains, but you know, those are foods that are safe. They're comfortable. Mm-hmm. They give them energy quickly and your kid can rely on them. Like, oh, mm-hmm. this, it's just like when you don't feel good, there's certain mm-hmm. foods that you know you can go to. Yeah. It's the same thing totally. like kids, like, oh, this whole food world is a little scary to me and people have been making me eat and I don't really mm. understand this, but I know I love those goldfish. I know that mm. there's every single time. Yeah. And so it's not, it's not that our kids are trying to be jerks and not eat the food mm-hmm. we make. For them and be, you know, a lot of people think it's a personal attack. They get very mm. like, did, how can't he see how much I've put into this? I've spent all this money. This is a family recipe. Mm-hmm. It's not a personal thing. It's yeah. Your kid is struggling for a certain reason and they were, they're not going to be there forever, mm-hmm. but your job isn't to force them to eat just like with intuitive eating. Like we mm-hmm. learn, we have to listen internally. Mm-hmm. 
it's important for us to know what our bodies are saying. We want our kids. Yeah. To- hmm. I remember when we, I guess, first started um, introducing like food to Calder, our pediatrician said something along the lines of like, you know, he could have food in front of him, but like, if he's not hungry, he's probably not going to eat it. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's like intuitive eating like right there. <laughs> like you may not even know that's what you just described. Right. Um, and I think, you know, even like in learning intuitive eating, like I talk about that all the time, like, you know, we're born intuitive eaters and then diet culture kind of takes us away from it. But I think it's so easy. And I see this even with like a lot of my friends who are parents too, kind of to put our own like beliefs about food onto our kids. It's like, oh my gosh, right. well, they're not having like a veggie at this meal. Like, are they, is this like horrible? And, and I think some of it is almost this like guilt or shame of like, am I a bad mom or a bad parent if I, you know, if my kid doesn't eat vegetables that much? And I'm sure you hear that a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think, um, you and I could talk about this literally forever. Um, <laughs> stuff I think is so, so hits the heart. Feeding somebody is primal. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's the most basic thing you should be able to do when you're a parent, right? If you can't do anything, at least you can feed them. And it, it's mm-hmm. the most life-sustaining thing that we do. And when your baby is born, you do it all the time. And you don't even realize, it's interesting as a dietitian to have a baby. I was like, whoa, feeding yeah. food, like nourishment become your own, like pretty much 90% of what you do with a baby when they're a newborn. It is totally. a huge, it, your life surrounds it. And it's, it is so challenging when it doesn't go well. And mm-hmm. it feels so yucky when your baby can't breastfeed and you really wanted to, or mm-hmm. doesn't tolerate the formula that you're using or, um, is really struggling with growth. It feels like it's your fault. Mm-hmm. And yet when, you know, when you, when you can't see because your vision needs mm-hmm. help, yeah. you go to an eye doctor and you get mm-hmm. help and you don't have shame about that. Yeah. You don't feel like, Oh, what's wrong with me? I don't have perfect vision. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, we carry all the burden and the the shame and the guilt when our kids don't eat. Mm. Don't realize that a lot of the time it's has nothing to do with what we're doing or not doing. Yes. It's just like the kid themselves and it's like, yeah, and their challenges and what they're dealing with. And obviously, you know, there's such a huge lack of education and breastfeeding mm-hmm. and support and all of oh like, yeah. lot. It's a big conversation, but I think there is so many feelings of guilt when things don't go as expected. And that starts from mm-hmm. day one, mm-hmm. day yeah. one, your baby is born. One thing that's kind of cool is that we catch parents right as they're starting solids. And mm-hmm. um, so there can be a lot of healing in that because yeah. they didn't have a very good, you know, early feeding experience. And mm-hmm. now they're like, okay, I want to feel prepared. I want to feel good about this. And that can be really empowering. Mm-hmm. And also there are parents for whom the solid journey doesn't go well at all. And yeah. they feel frustrated and they feel like they're doing something wrong. And then they see, you know, a post that suggests that, you know, they're not serving all the, all the millions of foods you should be serving mm-hmm. on our age one or whatever. Oh it my is. gosh. Yeah. We, we try to never put a number to anything yes. because I, <laughs> I know, I know how mom and dad's brains work and mm-hmm. they, they feel, they see that and they compare, they instantly mm-hmm. compare worry. Like, am I doing enough? Yeah. Uh, and it's just not usually our fault. Mm. Usually it's something to do with what's going on with the kid. Obviously our mm. environment and what we, what we present can be a factor, but I just feel like people internalize the fact that their kid is a picky eater and make it like the fact that the, the idea that they did something wrong. And I just want to encourage you guys that do have a picky eater at home. Mm it's considered biologically expected. 
Mm. I don't like to use the term normal because what's normal, right? Yeah, but like, for it sure. is normal. It is normal for your kid wow. to become picky around 12 to 24 months. Have you mm. experienced this with Calder yet? Yes, because he used to love vegetables. Yes. And now he, we have a dog. And so now he knows he just like throws them on the ground. Yes. And he like loves it. But Calder's like, yeah, I hate this. I have a vacuum cleaner. This is awesome. Yes. Yes. Uh, Yeah. And the reason for that, they theorize, is actually like a biologic, it's actually a a protective mechanism. Mm. The idea that your child becomes, when they become more mobile and independent and they're seeking Mm. that independence, your Calder is at the age now where he probably, if you open the door, he'd probably run out. Oh, yeah. See you later. Because they don't have any decision making, but they are so Mm. driven to do self, do self, do self. Mm -hmm. I do. And if they were open-minded about every food on the planet, they would walk up to everything and eat it, including yeah. a mushroom or berry. Yeah. And so it's kind of hardwired into them to have this like sudden suspicion. Mm. That they yeah, didn't have that's before. so true. And so there is kind of this window where they're mm. a lot more open-minded and a lot of us feel like, well, my kid eats everything. I don't know what yes. you're talking about. And I had that too. I remember uh-huh. feeling that with my first, I was like, mm, oh my God, this is easy. Yeah. And then you hit, I think for us, it was 12 or 14 months. Mine got sick, like three, she hadn't gotten sick at all her first year and then got mm. sick for an entire month straight. Strep, like everything you can, Gosh. we had to cancel her first birthday twice. Like it oh. was just, mess. and I had a big reality check. Like, mm. oh my gosh, she actually mm-hmm. doesn't eat all the things in the world. Mm-hmm. And there is so much that we do as parents to, um, accommodate that when that happens or there's things that you can do. But I just want parents that are listening to know or mm-hmm. caregivers. And you have a lot of people that care for children here. It's not because they're, they're like, Oh, I know vegetables suck. You know, <laughs> your life hard. It's because they're like, their body is telling them like, Oh, mm. whoa, be suspicious of that. Yeah. That makes, it, cause I, now that I think about like watching Calder eat, like certain foods he'll like grab so fast and just eat like he's like a vacuum and then some he'll like very slowly inspect and those are often the ones that he's like no throwing that on the ground um and often the ones he like vacuums are like the carbs the things that it's like this is familiar predictable it's a got like kind of and judy even talks about my business partner is no tea and she's a lot of this i'm talking about is her brilliance but she also Mm -hmm. has a totally different side of this that she thinks about she even talks about like when your your child eats something and they get feedback in their mouth, the uh, feedback from like a crunchy, you know, mm-hmm. cracker or um, veggie straw is very mm-hmm. like, it's very predictable feedback. And so your mm-hmm. body continues to crave like that yeah. feeling. Again, you know, piece of broccoli, ugh, not really mm-hmm. sure where we're going to get there. Yeah. Um, so it's not that you're, you're, you did something wrong if your kid becomes picky around that time. They're actually mm-hmm. following a very predictable pattern. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. What to do. Is it okay mm-hmm. if I share a few things as to what yes. to do from here? Yes, that would okay. be great. So when your kid becomes picky, first and foremost, mm-hmm. try not to get upset or mm-hmm. or start to push or force. Mm-hmm. Again, kind of put your intuitive eating hat on. Yeah. We know that kids stop listening to their fullness cues mm-hmm. when outside forces tell them. Mm-hmm don't be that outside force. Yeah. Obviously you want your kid to grow. You want them to thrive. If you force them, they will push back on you. Mm. And you might have noticed this. If you try to even convince them or just try it, just try it. It's okay. You yeah. just did it yesterday. I, 
what are you ta- like? What do you mean you don't like this? Literally ate it all last week. Mm. But toddlers are fickle. They're going to like something one week and hate it the next and maybe love it again. Yeah. They're going to eat all bread this week and then all cheese next week and then all mm. berries the following week. That is normal, mm. regular toddler behavior. Literally learned about it in college. It is yeah. exactly what we expect. <laughs> yeah. And the interesting thing is they look at kids over, over time and you know, there's a whole bunch of research about how they actually do get their needs met for the most part, unless they're dealing mm-hmm. with some significant medical or developmental issues, just with eating a variety throughout the week, not necessarily mm-hmm. in a meal or in a day. So your job is to offer, you know, a variety of foods. Mm-hmm. I always you know, recommend something with protein on the plate, something, mm-hmm. some kind of produce, so a vegetable or mm-hmm. fruit. And obviously starch, their familiar mm-hmm. favorite. Yes. Um, they need some fat in your diet. So you're cooking with mm-hmm. oils or butter. You're putting peanut butter on their, their toast, that kind of thing. But your job is to offer that food. Their job is to decide how much of it to eat. Mm-hmm. And if they don't eat something, it's okay. The more yeah. you push on them, the more they're going to tell you no and make mealtime mm-hmm. a battle. There are some things that we talk about in our online toddler kid course that are feeding mm-hmm. therapy strategies that can help. And one that is really popular is the idea of novelty. We have actually 12 in there, but I'll just share this one because it's our most popular one. Mm-hmm. Um, when you give kids a chance to incorporate play into mealtime or mastering mm-hmm. a skill, they're often yeah. willing to try something. And mm-hmm. in feeding therapy, it's all play-based exposure therapy for a lot of, like in a lot of cases so that kids mm-hmm. get comfortable putting something in their mouth eventually, but it's mm-hmm. a process. So here's an example. Remember notice that your child, we probably, none of you guys go to Costco and get samples. This is a terrible example <laughs> for know. all of our like young, young babies. But uh, for those of you with older kids, you go to Costco yeah. and get a sample and they eat it. They're like, Ooh, mm-hmm. sample. This is awesome. And you go and buy the 12 pound bag and you got, you get home and suddenly they won't touch it. Mm. They're like, what the heck? I, I thought you loved this lasagna. Are you kidding me? It wasn't really the lasagna. It was the tiny cup and the tiny fork. Mm, yeah. That was novel and new and different. And your child's mm. job is to figure out how to master the world around them. Yeah. So we can incorporate a whole bunch of, not a whole bunch. I don't want to say a whole bunch. One, mm-hmm. one new thing like that in your, in your meal. Suddenly they're, they can be a lot more interested. So I'll give you a few mm. examples. Little kid tongs. Mm. Can I tell you how much toddlers love those yeah. things? Oh my like gosh, I'm sure. In the world. And uh-huh. have them pick up their food with the tong and see if they mm. can get it in their mouth. You're not yeah. telling them to eat that. You're saying, do you want to pick it up? Do you yeah. want to see if you can get it? Do you want to taste it? Give them the choice. Mm. Putting their food in a mug or a funny cup mm. or a mm-hmm. muffin tin or an ice cube instead of their plate. You don't have to become a Pinterest parent. You don't need to like whip something out at every meal. But if there's a food yeah. that you're like, I don't know if they're going to eat this. Mm-hmm. See if a little bit of novelty helps. One mm. thing we always have loved to do, make with those long green beans, mm-hmm. spell out the name. Oh, that's such a good idea. Okay. My kids have loved that. They still love that. I have a, ten, a nine, almost 10, and a seven-year-old. They mm-hmm. still love green beans. I'm like, should we spell out our names? Oh. And then they'll be like, mommy, do you want to guess which one I'll eat? They created that game. Mm-hmm. Oh. Like, okay. And I pretend to, you know, not look. Yeah. And they eat something. And I'm like, oh, did you eat the N? Did you eat the A? Uh-huh. And they think it's so fun and they're enjoying their food. I'm not tricking them. This is all Mm -hmm. based on their own desires and their own drive. Yes. Um, So it's different than like you're playing this game with the ultimate goal of you must eat this. It's more Mm -hmm. of like we're playing, we're playing with these things with the goal of having you be more comfortable with this food. 
Mm. And bringing a little bit of play and a little bit of a deep breath to the meal. Because mm. when we play as adults, we tend to kind of chill out a little bit too. Yeah. Uh, all this to, I'm like, okay, making mental notes of all of this. Those are such good ideas. Because even that makes me think of like, even Calder, like playing with toys of like, yeah. when we bring out like a new toy, or if he discovers like he's obsessed with opening, we have some drawers that we didn't childproof because it's just like safe things in there. So anytime he discovers like a new toy, it's like, he's fascinated with that for the rest of the day. And so it oh. makes sense why like bringing that novelty into food would kind of have that like similar response. Yeah. Like and it, it's, it's marrying what they're like, they have the, they do have an innate drive to eat, but sometimes they're so distracted by how fun the world is. Right. I mean, yeah. if you think about your kid's perspective, they have to eat, you eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, you probably do a few snacks in there. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're still doing, you know, you're weaning off bottles or you're doing milk, all that stuff. There's a lot of eating involved and yeah. they have a lot of things that they're much more interested in in their day. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so you, true. you know, Calder is, you know, playing with a new dinosaur or stacking mm-hmm. a block and he's like building this huge tower and mm-hmm. that is his priority right now. And you're like, Hey yeah. buddy, it's time for dinner. And he's like, dude, yeah. but I didn't like, want to no. eat. <laughs> I'm not interested in that right now. Yeah. But if you bring the blocks over to the table or now you have mm-hmm. cheese cubes, Hey, look at, we can stack oh, yeah. like blocks mm-hmm. or, Hey, do you want to invite your dinosaur to dinner? Oh yeah. Finally, this is a little bit more interesting. This mm-hmm. is what I've been working on all day. These are the skills that I've been mastering and now mm-hmm. I can do them at the meal. Mm-hmm. So that is just one tiny piece of some of the stuff we talk about. Yeah. That um, and still preserve your, your boundary about mm-hmm. like, you're not forcing them to eat. They're mm-hmm. still autonomous and what goes in their mouth, but it allows you to feel like you're doing something to help with the picky eating. Yeah. In a healthy way, in a good, you know, non-forceful way. Mm, Gosh, I feel like those tips are going to be so helpful for people. Um, Because that's what, when I talk to people about like feeding and get questions, picky eating is a huge one I get. Um, Another question I get a lot um, that I would love to hear kind of your thoughts on, and I know y'all post about this some um, on Instagram. Some of my friends, obviously when people find out I'm a dietitian, I'm sure you get the same thing. They're like all these like questions. Yes. Um, but one of my friends was like feeding their kid macaroni and then made a comment and their kids, like, I don't know, 14 months, something like that. Um, made a comment of like, okay, this is a food, like we're not going to have all the time. And I was like, don't say things like that, please. Um, and so I'm curious how you advise parents when it comes to, I think, I mean, I think it's kind of maybe bringing in that like gentle nutrition, but also like not bringing in like diet culture things. Um, And I know you've talked about it some too, of like the familiarity of thinking about like mac and cheese. It probably tastes the same every time, similar texture. Um, But yeah, how to like avoid like making comments like that. And also where, when the parents like, I just want to make sure my kids like, I guess, healthy or getting, you know, quote unquote healthy or getting like well-rounded nutrients. Like, yeah, how I feel like it's such a like nuanced thing. So I would love to hear just any thoughts you have. I think my answer would have probably been different when my kids were way younger. Now I have a little bit more perspective and a lot more experience. Yeah. With um, mm. And I think it's a learning process for all of us. Right. Yeah. Um, and I also want to caveat with this, with the idea that like, if you're learning, if you're hearing this and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm doing it all wrong. Mm-hmm. That's 
nothing, there's no wrong here. This is all learning. And and our job is to offer information and your job as the parent or the caregiver is to take what works for you and leave the rest. Mm. And if you're not ready for it, if you don't want to do it, doesn't mean there's anything bad about fighting. It's it's such a shame filled world we live in when it comes to parenting. Mm. We immediately look at the mom. Something happened. Yeah. No, the mom did it. It's the mom's fault. Yeah. But, you know, that's really just a, not really the full story. And we all mm-hmm. make decisions based on the best information we have at the time mm-hmm. and totally. our, our own circumstances. So yeah, if you've been a kind of person that's been trying to tell your kid, well, that's unhealthy. That's not, that's, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. It's not from a good place. You're trying to, yeah. especially, especially, I know a lot of you have come from might live in big bodies Mm-hmm. Or have come from a place of, you know, you were shamed or teased yeah. when you were growing up mm-hmm. and you don't want that to happen to your child. Mm-hmm. And that is like your biggest fear. That was my mm-hmm. biggest fear when I, before I had kids, I was mm-hmm. terrified of having daughters yeah. because I, I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to have to go through this whole thing. Like I did. Oh my gosh. Yes. I have two girls, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and they are teaching me. Mm. what I wish I knew when I was their age. Mm, that's it, amazing. It's such a beautiful, I'm, I'm, I can even like tear up about it. Cause mm. I went through, you know, dieting for sure. Uh, disorder, dabbling, disordered eating kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. my whole life until, you know, I, I learned about intuitive eating and they are healing me in a lot of ways. So mm. I don't want you to be afraid of your child going through what you went through and teasing and shame about their mm. or environment you're going to put them in is very different. Mm. Going to be very different. And the world that they're growing up in is different than it yeah. was when we were younger. Do we have a lot of work to do? Yes. Mm-hmm. But they will be seeing images of bigger bodies. Body shaming yeah. is less cool than it was when we were younger. Mm. That's so they're true. again not perfect. Tons of work to do, but I it's encouraging now to see different size clothing offered to different people. Mm-hmm. My daughters don't just see female icons that are one size. Yeah. They, it's a completely different environment than what we were, we were, we brought up, we're brought up in. And I think it gets us, I think, I think that we want to teach our kids about nutrition. We just get this, like, we they need to know, they need to know. Mm-hmm. And they will, but yeah. when, those who have one, two, three, four, very little yeah. kids, they don't get to go choose their food that they're served. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're out there like buying their own lunch. For sure. Furthermore, when we, they don't internalize messages about healthy versus not healthy and nutrition, that doesn't make sense to them. Mm-hmm. And if you call something healthy, studies suggest that it actually drives them toward not eating it. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't benefit us in teaching kids, this is healthy, this is not healthy. Yeah. But like, especially when they're young like this, mm-hmm. what can, what you can do? And I know everyone's like, what are they going to learn? What are they going to learn? Oh, hold on. <laughs> yeah. When they're little, when they're, you know, when they don't even really have, you know, preschool, early, early elementary school. For sure. Best thing you can do is expose them to a wide variety of foods. And, mm-hmm. you know, somebody says, well, we're not going to have this all the time. That is, ang- that's probably anxiety coming from them, not wanting their kid yeah. to expect that all the time. Yeah. But, but you're not going to serve it all the time either. Mm-hmm. Totally. So they're going to learn. We don't have this all the time mm-hmm. because you don't serve it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not that they're going to like now be like, well, I am, I am 
completely boycotting everything I eat because mm-hmm. I'm just going to demand mac and cheese. Like yes. you, you're the one that gets to decide what's served. Mm-hmm. And the way to teach young kids about how to eat is by eating it with them, mm-hmm. cooking with them. If you can getting them into the kitchen and exposing mm-hmm. them to a ton of different types of foods. Mm-hmm. That's how they best learn how to eat. They don't learn how to yeah. eat. By eating. This is good for you. Yeah. Now, as they get a little bit older and they start to connect to their body, that's where this mm-hmm. gentleness idea of, and I, I, it's, it's gentle nutrition and it's connection inward, right? Again, mm-hmm. it's intuitive, intuitive eating doesn't mean eating donuts all day. Yeah. Yes. It means <laughs> listening to your body mm-hmm. and connecting with those innate signals. And sometimes mm-hmm. your body's like, I'm really craving a, a donut. Mm-hmm. And not me because I hate donuts. That's another story. <laughs> but sometimes <laughs> cookie, I'll call it cookie. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're really craving a cookie, but sometimes that doesn't sound good. And like mm-hmm. crunchy, fresh, you know, um, big salad sounds good mm-hmm. or, you know, carrots and hummus sound good. Yeah. It doesn't mean rejecting foods that might have more nutrients. It literally just means that an inward connection and mm-hmm. We want kids to still have that. So as they get older, it's okay to talk about how food makes them feel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your kid, my kids are older. So they're in, my oldest is in competitive sports. And she, we talk about, Hey, it's great for you to have your, you know, veggie straws or whatever after, mm-hmm. after school, or maybe you, you have an apple with that or something, but we need some protein yeah. for longer satiety. We need mm-hmm. something in our body. That's going to give us a little bit more energy longer because yeah. you have our volleyball practice and she's mm. learned what it feels like to crash mm, yeah. learned what it feels like to only have a donut for breakfast and then go mm-hmm. play and how yucky that feels on her body yes and that is where that's what's so cool and i was saying healing in a way because mm-hmm. she's not learning about nutrition from the point of weight loss or or look mm-hmm. or appearance or value yeah. of, of a person she's learning about it the way we should all learn about it how totally. can these foods benefit me? How can they mm-hmm. feel good to me? How can I eat stuff that I enjoy and also feel my best? Mm-hmm. And that's where she, you know, that's where we as parents can help without, you know, shaming and be like forcing. We don't want to force. Yeah. But when you're helping your kid, um, as they get older, like my kids will pack their lunches. And because they have seen every day, I put, you know, mm-hmm. an entree or like a starch and protein kind of thing in there. I always put mm-hmm. a vegetable. I always put a fruit, maybe mm-hmm. I put some sort of dairy food and then maybe a dessert. They know mm-hmm. that that's the, the formula. Yeah. But when back on their own, they don't even mm-hmm. ask. Yeah. They go and they get those things and they put it in there and mm-hmm. they know that that's kind of how we eat lunch mm-hmm. because they've seen it over and over and over again. We mm-hmm. don't need to be the one that's teaching them. This is bad for you. This is good for you. The world mm-hmm. will teach them that. <laughs> oh yes. We can yes. help them learn how to connect into their bodies. If they're constipated, talk about, Hey, you know what? Mm-hmm. Peaches, prunes, pears, plums, pea fruits, those can help yeah. us. Hey, you're not feeling good. You're feeling lightheaded. Are you sure you're not dehydrated? How mm-hmm. much water have you had today? Mm-hmm. You know, you're, um, you're not satisfied from dinner. Like you know, I, you seem like insatiable. Let's make mm-hmm. sure that we're making sure that like that we're eating some fat with our kids. Yeah. So like, these are things that kids can learn in a way that still is not shamey or diety mm-hmm. and yet helps them connect back. Into yeah. Their- yeah. I mean, it makes me think a lot of how I even talk about it with my clients, whether they're like 18 or 50 of like just taking 
the morality out of food and just talking yes. about like, okay, here's what carbs do for you. Here's what protein, here's what, you right. know, the benefits of all these different foods. And I mean, there's so much research that shows, and I think you've talked about it a little bit too, of like, if we tell kids don't eat this, or you have to have this before you can have, you know, dessert or whatever, like it's going to make them crave that food even more. And they're probably yeah. going to like sneak it. Like they're going to have it upstairs in their room and think, oh, I'm going to get in trouble if my mom sees me eating these cookies. So I'm gonna have to eat them in private. Like it can set them up for, I feel like all these negative behaviors. Yeah. We, we kind of elevate foods just like we do for ourselves. When we say, I'm on a diet and I can have this. Yes. I can have this. <laughs> now that's all you want. Yes. We do the same with our kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, Halloween was a perfect example, right? Yeah. People are stunned. Again, my kids are older. You can decide at what age you're comfortable mm-hmm. candy. Calder might be too, you know, you might have decided like, I don't want him to try it yet. Maybe I yeah. do. Or there's a lot of choking hazards, whatever. I know. But that's the main are... thing I was nervous about. I was like, is he going to Yes. <laughs> I know. Like there's a lot of heart. Yeah. But yeah. now that mine are older, you know, every year we've kind of done it. We've always kind of done this consistent thing with that mm-hmm. night. I'm like, go eat whatever you want. Go for mm-hmm. it. Try it out. And it's funny because people will say, well, they're so, I think they're so worried that like they do that one time and their kid's going to suddenly be quote addicted to candy forever. Yes. Yes. But what you're actually doing in that moment is you're taking the mystery out of it. Mm. You're making yeah. it really not that big of a deal. And when it's readily available like that and you can try as much as you want, mm-hmm. Hey, maybe you have a stomach ache. That's a good yeah. lesson. Yeah. That's not fun. I don't want to eat that many. Next no. Time. And that's a good, le- like, not a good, like punitive bad you. It's a that didn't feel good on my body. Mm. And kids learn that much more concretely yeah. than telling them don't eat this candy. Mm-hmm. They experience, Hey, I don't feel my greatest. Maybe next time I'm going to have four pieces instead of seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then afterwards you get to decide how often you serve it. Mm-hmm. So if you want to serve it regularly, if you want to just serve it a few times, whatever, we've kind of gotten into the habit this year. My kids usually forget about it, but we're in a new house where the, mm-hmm. the place we've stored it is like an eye level for them. So they see it often. And every night they've kind of been like, okay, let's pick out a, you know, let's pick out some candy. And they'll literally say, can yeah. I have one piece of candy? I'm like, that's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. Or the, and then, you know, they'll eat it. And sometimes they may say, can I have another? I'm like, if you want, you know, what is your body telling you? Mm-hmm. And they're not sneaking it. They're not, they still have like a whole gob of candy. It's insane how yeah. much candy is still in that bucket. They have not eaten <laughs> it all. They have not gone yeah. crazy. Nothing has happened. These are tiny pieces of candy that they have maybe one or two pieces of a day. Mm-hmm. And eventually I'm just sick of the stupid container being in my count, my, you know, mm-hmm. cabinet. I just want their like Halloween baskets to go somewhere else. Yeah. And maybe we'll donate it or we will phase it out, but it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's just not. And they're the yeah. kids when we go to parties and stuff, they don't hang around the cake. Mm. They don't obsess about or shove all the cookies in their mouth because it's just not that interesting to them. Yeah. They get to have it. Yes. They can have it anytime. And Cause it almost makes you think of that like novelty you were talking about of if we turn food into this novelty thing, they're probably going to want it all the time. Just like when right. Calder gets a new toy, he wants to play with it all right. day long. Right. If they have like, Ooh, I can have cake at this birthday party. I'm going to eat three slices. I've never and, had, yeah. That's a really good point. I've never thought of it that way. It's literally like novelty working the other direction. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I love, I love that analogy. Yeah. And so we just don't need to, you know, we get so freaked about sugar from our own issues. It's a, it's us. It, we're the yeah, problem. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, we project. Yeah, I'm the it's problem. Me. It's me. It's yes. me. Like, it's not my kid. Mm, yes. And that's why I think it's so important for parents to do their own work too, because it's right. so easy to project that 
on to kids. Same thing. I mean, with like the body image stuff too. It's like, okay, if we have this like internal like bias or stigma around body size, it's going to be so easy to project that onto our kids. Um, Just like, you know, anything else. If a parent's like, Ooh, I really want my kid to be an engineer. Like you're going to try and push them in that direction. Same thing with any of this like food body stuff. Can we talk about that? I know that we're probably going over time because I think the big, like, that's just a really big fear that people have. I just spoke at a mom's group this week and, you know, there were tears in a lot of people's eyes because Mm -hmm what I want the message to be that, that you hear today, no matter what size your child is, mm-hmm. we all deserve to be loved mm. and accepted yes. independent of our size. Yes. And we also deserve to be loved and accepted for the size we are now. Mm-hmm. Like we deserve our bodies to be seen as miracles. All of us. Mm. Yeah. And so many of us grew up in a world where we were told there was something wrong with us all the time. Mm, Yeah. And it can hurt when you have a child that is following in your genetics Mm -hmm. and you see how the world could tear them down. I was a much bigger kid myself. Um, My mom was too. My grandma was too. And then I hit ninth grade and I, I started becoming more active and taking a little different care of myself, mm-hmm. but I grew six inches and my, I, wow. I went, my parents went from, Oh, she has a weight problem to, are you feeding her enough? My poor mm-hmm. mom was like, are you kidding? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I don't know what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> right. Like not, not, you know, and that was what my body was doing. Mm-hmm. It was just what it was doing. And it's probably yeah. what they, my kids' bodies will do too. And mm-hmm. there are estimates that vary really wildly somewhere between like 30 and nine, 80 some percent of, of your child's size is determined by their genetics. Well, it's a huge, I mean, it can be a huge amount for them. And that yeah. can be scary for you if you've struggled mm-hmm. to accept your body size. Mm-hmm. And it can also help you understand why their bodies are doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. We all deserve to be loved and respected for our bodies, mm-hmm. no matter what size they are. And we deserve to eat food that tastes good, no matter what mm-hmm. size our body is. Yeah. Same thing with kids. They deserve that too. So mm-hmm. no matter what size your kids are, make sure that they're getting satisfying, filling, tasty food Mm. that they enjoy, that everyone enjoys. They might not like their vegetables right now. Yes. You're going to keep putting it on the plate, but they don't have to eat it if they don't want to. Yeah. Make sure that they have regular access to play and movement that feels good to them, that they enjoy. Obviously you don't want this punitive, you you must go move your body, but it's cool if they connect with the sport as they get older or some sort of movement. Yeah. Taking walks with you because yeah. it helps them learn how good movement can feel mm. no matter what size they are. Totally. It helps them learn that their body has capabilities. Mm. And, you know, I've, my daughter, my eldest is really into volleyball and it's been so cool to watch because volleyball is a mm-hmm. sport that celebrates size. Mm. And she yeah. just keeps, she keeps like mom. Cause she's, she's stalled out in height. I'm six feet tall. My husband's six, four. Oh, It'll wow. be tall. Yeah. He's like, mom, I'm just not growing. I'm like, girl, you did exactly what I did. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I promise you, you're going to hit high school and be the tallest girl in your class. You're going to be able mm-hmm. to spike down on that net. Like yeah. I promise. But right now you're, 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 it's, mm-hmm. this is what your body's meant to do. Mm-hmm. Allow them to connect with things. Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's just play that mm-hmm. get their bodies moving in a way that feels good. Obviously, you know, offer plenty of water, make, you know, water, mm-hmm. a primary beverage in your home. 
home. You get to decide if you want to do soda and other sweet beverages. Mm-hmm. For us, it just hasn't become a thing. We just have soda water and water. Mm-hmm. We'll sometimes drink milk, but it's usually just water as the primary beverage. And then um, try to watch your language yourself mm-hmm. around your own body. And that is the yeah. hardest yeah. part. And you know, my daughter and, me and her friend might get made fun of, you know, there was a boy at school that looked at a picture of all of them and says, so-and-so mm. your thighs fat. Mm. And the first thing I thought about that was that's not him saying that. Yeah. No. He's hearing that from somebody else. Oh, yeah. picks out a picture of somebody and notices that when yeah. they're years old, mm. that is the language he's hearing from mm-hmm. someone at home. Absolutely. And it makes me sad because we mm. pass on how our kids think about their bodies Mm. reflect how we think about ours Mm -hmm. and if you think about your kid like when you look at them they're perfect Mm -hmm. I think my kids are perfect I Mm -hmm. love them unconditionally I am so proud of who they are I think wow like what a cool miracle you are that you Mm -hmm. and that's what our parents probably thought about us Mm -hmm. and yet we're sitting here hating you know certain parts of ourselves hating it And it's, it's sad because if you kind of think about what your kid thinks about you, if you flip the tables, they wouldn't talk about the size of your thighs. They wouldn't talk about your, you know, tiger stripes or your bump or whatever. They think you're perfect too. Mm. And I think it's just so hard for parents because the the world tells us that we have to have thin kids and that's all that matters sometimes. Mm But really all that matters is having good kids, having kind kids, mm-hmm. having, I mean, all kids are good kids, but having people, raising people that are yeah. sensitive, sensitive to those around them and they're yeah. aware and they're, they're, they want to help and they're, mm-hmm. they want to learn. Like, those are the things that matter. Yeah, like their character. Their character. Mm-hmm. And we sit and we look at ourselves in the mirror and we destroy mm-hmm. ourselves. Yeah. And that's what they learn. They learn that that's mm-hmm. normal. Yeah. I just encourage you all to be mindful of the language that you use around. I, I, I know many of you be like, I would never dare say a bad word about my child, mm-hmm. about their body. Mm-hmm. But you can turn around and do it to yourself in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. your child comes from you if you are mm-hmm. genetically involved in their their mm-hmm. being. They come from you. Yeah. If you only dog yourself, that's all they're going to learn is this is how I should feel about my body. Yeah. I think that's a big punch in the gut for a lot of us. Like, Mm oh, and you can still be working on your own crap and you can still be struggling with your body image Mm -hmm. and you can support your child at the same time by just not commenting about it in front of them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not like you have to be a hundred percent obsessed with your own body. It's just like, okay. I need to do my own work. I need to be mindful of what I say. Like, of course, you know, the parent, especially if, yeah, you are the mom that like grew the child, birthed the child. Like you're probably dealing with, depending, I guess, on what age your kid is, but dealing with how your body has changed and looks different. And like, it's natural that you're not going to feel a hundred percent, but it's like, how can you do that own work instead of projecting your thoughts onto your kids? Like you mentioned about that kid making the comment about, thighs because yeah i'm sure he's heard that from his mom or someone you know right and and it's like it's sad sad because it's like Mm -hmm. 
We wouldn't, my daughter actually said to me, cause she sometimes gets teased for her, her weight. Mm-hmm. And she, she's just not a mm-hmm. rail thin kid, like a lot of the, the girls in her class. And she'll say, yeah. mom, I am totally okay with my body. I am totally mm-hmm. okay with the size I am. Why can't other people be okay with that too? Mm-hmm. Gosh. And that is heartbreaking to me. And it also makes me so happy for her. Totally. The difference. Yes. And she'll say that, you know, if, if something happens at school and somebody says something, her friends will be like, you're not fat, you're skinny. And she'll turn to me mm. and go, I don't want to be skinny. I want to yeah. be me. I want to yes. be me. Yes. And it's like, mm. that's why I encourage you guys like this, this work, this healing is possible. Obviously our kids are going to be up out in the world. They're going to come mm-hmm. up against stuff that hurts their heart, but you can be that consistent person at home. Mm-hmm. You can be that person that's always the giving them the message of, of unconditional acceptance of themselves mm-hmm. and, and allowing them to learn how to take care of themselves in a way that's not punitive. Yeah. And that person that they can talk to if they feel weird about their body or about some, mm-hmm. what somebody said, they're going to, they're going to come across it in the world, but you are the more, you are influential being in the home, mm-hmm. like being the person that is their safe keeper, no matter mm-hmm. how much or little time you spend with them on a given day. You as a parent are the most influential to them Mm. and your, your, um, safeness, (laughs) like you being that safe matters and that's the best you can do. We're not going to be a hundred percent with this, but there, you know, we, we can change and rewrite the script for our kids. They are not doomed to experience the world that we lived in. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Gosh, I literally could talk about this for the next like five hours, five days. (laughs) Uh, It's so good. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom, Megan. I feel like, gosh, I I just am like imagining people listening to this episode, just being like, oh, I like need to hear this so bad. And probably one where people are like, I need to listen to this like over and over and over again. Um, Cause yeah, we're all just like figuring it out, especially if it's, you know, your first kid, you've never done this before. You're figuring it out. Gosh. Thank you for your time. If people want to um, just like learn more about what you do, I know you talked about um, your courses and we'll include all that in the show notes, but where sure. can they find you? Yes. Yeah, so we're uh, we're at Feeding Littles on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, uh, and TikTok, but we haven't really yes. <laughs> gotten over there too much. Yes. We're working on it. Um, and we're also feedinglittles.com. So we have a course for six months, Plus, essentially introducing solids and self-feeding and kind of promoting independence. Mm. And then we have a course for one through 10 year olds. And mm. that was, you know, people say that's a big age range. Well, it's the same concepts. We just apply mm. it a little differently yeah. as your gets older. So you don't have to feel like you're changing all the things, right? It's the same mm. idea. It's the same things mm-hmm. that we teach that are consistent yeah. with eating. And um, we can also offer, I can get a coupon code for your listeners too, which yeah, can be fun. Yeah, that'd be great. So, but um, it's, there's a lot of fun stuff that we talk about over there. So hopefully you'll be able to join mm. us. Yes. Uh, well, thank you so much again. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining today's episode on the free method podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star review that helps others discover this message of freedom. 
Share this with your friends and make sure you tag us on Instagram at Free Method Nutrition. And if you're ready to start your own journey to freedom, I'd love to offer you a free call to chat with me about your health goals. Head to freemethodnutrition.com slash free call to schedule yours. We will see you in the next episode.